good morning. Welcome to Welcome to Avenue Baptist Church. This is David Lotus. Maybe you should rejoice and be glad in it. To visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you. Actually, fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place an offering plate to come around so you can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. You're tuning in with us on live uh, Facebook stream there. And we also want to welcome you. Ask God's blessing upon you. Ask you to consider coming out and being a part of what God is doing at Welcome to Avenue Baptist Church. In the meantime, I want to share with you some of the things that are going on at Los Angeles. Number one, uh, this afternoon we're going to have uh, worship service this evening at 6 o'clock. Come and be a part of that. Choir practice will happen at 4.30, so come be a part of that as well. Uh, if you want to be singing Sunday morning, you need to be at the choir practice. We'll be uh, practicing special this week, so come be a part of that as well. I uh, also want to remind you that uh, the choir does have a refresher at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning before Sunday school, so also come and be a part of that as well. All right, church, the Promise Keepers are getting ready to move out and be a part of what God is doing up in the Dallas area. So please be in prayer for them. If you're going with them, then please start getting your heart and your spirit ready. Also be in prayer for our girls. You can't. They leave out Thursday as well. Be in prayer for them as they get ready to experience God up in the Hamilton High School area at the Tri-Rivers Baptist Retreat Camp. So I'll be in prayer for them as well. There's a lot going on at Robertson Avenue. We want to invite you to that. Uh, tomorrow night, church at 6 o'clock, uh, we'll be, have a first class of experiencing God. So come and be a part of that as well. You're invited to it. Uh, and so we have, still have a sign-up sheet in the foyer. And this is the last day for that. So please be prepared for that as well. All right. I want to remind you that we are still selling jams and jellies back there. Uh, $5 a jar. And those proceeds go to help offset our uh, Operation Christmas Child shipping. So carefully consider being a part of that. And um, we also have several items back there that are wrapping off to go to sell for Operation Christmas Child as well. So I want to talk just for a minute about yesterday's Operation Christmas Child meeting. It was a wonderful success, and BJ did a great job. We've had a great turnout, and I'm just excited to see what God is going to do with that this year. And so if you are interested in that and seeing how you can be a part of that, we have some meetings coming up. I think we have a craft day coming up at the end of the month. So consider being part of that as well. We remind you that we have a Shahida fundraiser for Operation Christmas Child Shipping coming up on July 30th. We're having Shahida beef and chicken Shahida for that. And prices vary for adults and children, so you need to get with the office or get with extra for tickets in that. And so currently consider being a part of that as well. Uh, I think that's all our immediate announcements. Uh, I'm going to remind the ministry team to stay at 4 o'clock in the meeting. Uh, if you need to plan a item or agenda, please have that done before our meeting. Our meeting is set to approve those. So please carefully get that ready so our meeting can go a little bit quicker today. I uh, also want to remind everybody that Saturday's prayer breakfast has been canceled because most of the men will be in the Thomas Keepers and the admin team meeting that was scheduled for next Saturday will be moved or postponed to the following So I think that's most of our announcements. So with that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And after we pray, would you please rise and welcome one another. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to gather here in this house this morning. If you reach out and touch us with your spirit, as only you can. If you lead us and guide us and direct us down pathway to righteousness for your name's sake, and I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that needs to come to know you, to stay with you today, please lead them to you, Lord. Lead them to salvation. Lead them to eternal life. And may they, Lord God, give their hearts and minds and bodies their souls. I'm also praying, Lord, for those that are watching on TV, stay with you today. They will hear your word, Lord, and want to come be a part of what you're doing in Father's name. Go with us now. Be with our church members who are traveling and those who are out sick. Let them know that we love them and pray for them. And let them take you back to us. So, in Jesus' holy and righteous name, 
Make your way back to your seat. We'll go ahead and turn the service over to Brother Mark.
might be a good sermon, ain't you? <laughs> good morning and welcome to Robert Stanley Baptist Church. You have your Bibles with you. Turn to the in the book of Acts. Oh my goodness, I was having a revival up there. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh yes, hallelujah. It is my prayer that Father God will touch you this morning, that He will reach out and break you if you're proud. He will let you know that without Him, you can do nothing. Amen. Book of Acts today. I want to share with you something new. You know, uh, Betsy and I had the wonderful opportunity of attending the Operational Christmas Child uh, meeting yesterday. And as neat and as moved as I was, uh, I was touched by something in our church. I love my church. If you will come to this church, you will love this church too. Amen. And I want you to know that I have pastored for almost 30 years. And I have never been so loved by another church. Thank you for loving me and my family. You say, Josh, what happened yesterday to touch you? You know, did someone bring you some bacon or something? <laughs> no. 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 In the kids' church, in the children's church, I came across something that they put down there. And they did it for me. I mean, my heart says they did it for me. I don't want to show it to you. Can I have that next slide, please? Next slide, please. There it is. That's a manger in the children's church. And notice what they put underneath this church. The star. They put a star of David for me. And I was touched by it. Thank you for letting me be me. Thank you for not being ashamed of who I am. Thank you for loving Israel with me. And thank you for praying for them. And thank you for loving them. And thank you for accepting who I am. I don't have to change or to hide because of what Jesus did in me. And for that, I'm grateful. That's in our children's church. I said, thank you, Jesus. Those are our next leaders, amen? Our next deacons, our next teachers, our next preachers, our next pastors. And they're learning. They're learning that God does not leave, nor does He forsake His children. That the promise does not end. That He goes on and on and on. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God bless you, too. God bless you, too. So, today's title, today's message is called, I Shall Appear Unto Thee. And I want to give you a little disclaimer. I'm using the old school name this morning. Not because it's a better translation, not because it's the best, not because it's the only one. Uh, it really translated the spirit of what I'm getting at this morning. Um, and I'm not taking license or anything like that or what I wanted to feel or something like that. No church. It actually hits what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul right on the head. It translated the English very, very, very well. And I could not capture that in any other translation. So. Uh, pardon me for that. Let me apologize for that. I know we're a New King James church. There's nothing wrong with that. I love that. It's a good translation. I read it. I share it with you. Uh, but this morning, the translation just favors from the old King James. So pardon me and go with me. So uh, as we begin this morning's message titled, I Shall Appear Unto Thee. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. How many times Jesus appeared to him. Now we know about that very first appearance on the Damascus Road. We know what happened to him there as he looked up into the heavens as he heard the heavenly voice and he saw Jesus and he said, Lord, who are you? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus and thou persecuted. And we know what happened in the Apostle Paul became a preacher, an apostle, a missionary, an evangelist 
and he went to the Jews and he went to the Gentiles and oh, did he suffer. Oh, did he suffer. But at the same time, he had blessings that we would cry out for. Those blessings are he had Jesus appear to them directly. How many of you would still, literally, would pray, would starve to death, would give up anything to have Jesus walk into your bedroom, put his arm around you and say, it's going to be all right. Paul had that. Paul had that. Turn with me, please, Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. We're going to start with 12. We're going to read a little bit. We're going to jump around a little bit this morning. We are going to stay primarily in the book of Acts as we begin a journey this morning of looking at what Jesus said the Apostle Paul. Now, I need you to understand the background here. The Apostle Paul is giving his testimony. He's given his testimony to King Agrippa. And so, he's been asked to come forward. He shares it. And this is what he said in his testimony. Start with me in verse 12. Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me saying in the Hebrew tongue. Now, don't forget that, all right? What language do they speak in heaven? Hebrew. That's the heavenly language if you go to seminary. So we talk about this. I heard him saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the prick. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. To make me a minister. Now, Father, strongly with me, real close. Come in close and listen. I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear. I have appeared and I will appear. Look at verse 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Shall we? Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord God, for our opportunity to gather together in your house this morning. And may we worship you in truth and spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us as we look into your word. And I pray, Father God, you take charge, even now, that if there be anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anybody, Father, who needs to get their heart right with you, their walk right with you, would you let today be that day as we bless you as we praise you in Jesus' holy and righteous name. Amen. Did you catch what we were reading out there? Jesus spoke to the Apostle Paul. Paul has given his testimony, and he says that Jesus told me, I have appeared unto you for this reason, and I will appear unto thee for some others. I appeared unto you to make you a minister, to go to the Gentiles, to go to the Jews, to deliver them from Satan, from the power of sin, the grave, and the death, and I will appear unto you. Now, make sure you hold on to that. Hold on to that with all your strength. I have appeared unto thee, and I will appear unto thee. That's why we chose the old King James this morning. The new King James says, I have appeared unto you, and I will reveal unto you later on. But that's not what he says in the Greek. What he says, I have appeared unto you, and I will appear again unto you. In other words, what you're seeing right now is just the beginning. And some of you have been sitting in those pews for years and years and years, and you're beginning to wonder this morning, saying, what else does God have for me? Is this the end of the sale, the best of Christianity? I want you to know that Jesus has appeared unto you and will appear 
Paul's given a testimony this morning. He's used his testimony in witnessing, and he's written so good you should use your testimony every chance you get. You should share your testimony. Paul had marvelous happening in his circumstances and in his life. But so have you. Now, many of you will come and say, Pastor, uh, God didn't appear to me on the road to Damascus, and God didn't take me from being a Pharisee. But I want you to know something that what God has done in your life is no small thing. He has delivered you from death. He's given you eternal life. He has raised you from the dead. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. You know, I once had somebody come up to me and say, Pastor, I never was a drug addict. Pastor, I never was an alcoholic. Pastor, I wasn't mean. I didn't go around beating people up. And I said, praise God, He delivered you from all of that. What a testimony that is because of the power of Christ in your life. You never had to face that or experience that. I wish we all had testimonies like that. Lord, you've used your testimony in your witnessing. Paul is using it here to King Agrippa. You want to talk about somebody famous. You want to talk about somebody that commanded respect. You want to talk about somebody that everybody knew. Well, King Agrippa was one of those people. And Paul used his testimony. And church, so should you use your testimony and what God has done in your life. When you witness, when you share the gospel, when you invite people to Robertson Avenue, use your testimony because what God has done in your life is no small you should get it. You should live it. And you should be stuck upon it as Paul did. As he's thinking back to past. Now, he often gains encouragement from what was said to him. And let me tell you right now, you can think back on the past and what God has done in your life and find encouragement. If you're anything like me and you get on your knees and say, God, what's going on? What's happening? I'm lost. I'm in the blind. I don't know what's happening. And I think back in the past and I can say, oh, God, I see you working. Oh, God, I know what you're doing. Oh, God, you've delivered me. Oh, God, you've brought me forth. You've taken me from a darkness into a great light. You've taken me from a place that had no way to go and brought me into a place that has nothing that can stop me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You need to reflect on it. Incidentally, what God has done in your life is no small thing. You should share it. You should live it. You should reflect upon it in all things that you do. Now, I love to see those pencils write, and I love to see those pages turn. But I want you to know something. If you want the PowerPoint this morning, we will give it to you free of charge. If you want it, just ask for it. We will print it out for you, or we will send it to you and give it to you. But back to our sermon this morning. Did you catch what Paul said to King Agrippa that Jesus said to him. He says, This is what Jesus said to me. Rise. We're in verse 16 here. Rise. Stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Paul, there's something coming in the future. Paul, what you see right now isn't the end all, say all. Paul, this isn't the end of that. There's more to come. And I love that Jesus said, I'm appearing to you right now, but I'm going to appear to you later on down the road. I have appeared unto thee, and I will appear unto thee. How many of you know that Christian growth is a process? Let me see your hands this morning. How many of you know that? Amen. It's a process, isn't it? It doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't happen with one revelation, does it? It doesn't just happen with one vision, if you will. It doesn't happen with one moment of understanding. Oh my goodness, now I've got it all. 
You remember when you were a young Christian and something finally clicked and you got it and all of a sudden you were a Bible expert? You remember that? Five years later, you're thinking, if I only knew then what I know right now. Apostle Paul was no exception to that rule. The vision started things out in a very real, very personal, very dramatic way. He was on his way to Damascus. He was going to do the bidding and the will of the high priest, church. He was acting in their authority. He was going to drag them out by force, drag them back to Jerusalem, and torture them into blasphemy in the name of Jesus. That's what Paul was on his way to do. Not just that, but he would go undercover. In other words, he would start talking like Christians. He would start acting like Christians. And he would infiltrate into Christian circles. And then he would show up and say, Ha-ha, by the power invested or invested in me by the great state of the Pharisees, I now pronounce you heresy. They would drag them home, drag them back to Jerusalem, where they would be tried and put into prison. And it wasn't just a whipping, y'all, it was torture to get them to blaspheme. And Paul was a part of that. When Jesus spoke to him in a very real, very dramatic, very personal way, Paul, why are you persecuting me? You ever stop and ask that question? Why was Jesus, the God of this universe, the one who spoke this world into existence, ask Paul, I'm an analyzer now, and I like to think about things. Let's not get off on a rabbit trail for just a minute. Just look over here for me. I know that Kim's got a turn. We're testing it out this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is it working good? Praise God. So, as we are asking that question, why would Jesus say, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? You've got to come to realize what Jesus is talking about. Paul, you know the Scriptures. Paul, you know the Bible. Paul, you know more about me than you will ever let on. And I don't understand why you're persecuting me when you know the Scriptures testify of me. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to deny the truth that's inside of you. You've got to deny the conviction, and you're still persecuting me, even though the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You know how many Christians sit in those pews? How many fake Christians sit in those pews? Every Sunday morning, holding on to the back double, saying, I don't want anyone to know. And they deny the truth. You want to hear some funny truth? That's some scary and heartbreaking truth. The state of Utah, a few weeks ago, they just proclaimed a man, the winner of the state of woman's beauty contest. That's right, a man won a woman's beauty contest. What does that say about where we're going? What does that say about how much we deny Jesus says to the Apostle Paul, I've appeared in thee, and I will appear in thee. Scripture growth, incidentally, church, is a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen with one revelation when life turns. You watch the Christian movies, and the guy gets a breakthrough, or the, the woman gets some sort of spiritual revelation, and out of a sudden, she's a die-hard, no-nonsense Christian. Don't you love it like that? They never have temptation again. They never, ever lose their temper again. They ne- <laughs> yeah, I heard some like, but like this. They never have problems again. You know what else gets me? Their bills are always paid. And they win every competition they're in because they play. They win every football game, every baseball game. They win even the jump rope competition. I'm not putting down those movies. They're neat. They're good. But that's not real life, is it? That's not real life at all. And it doesn't happen overnight, as they say in the movie. It takes an appearance of God in your life. And... As Jesus said to the Apostle Paul, I will appear unto thee a 
against you. So let's look to see some of those appearances of Jesus. He saw in his life, and let's see how they strengthen him, how they encourage him, and how they can be a kind in our life for Christian growth. Now we know, though, just, just as a disclaimer, we know this morning about the Damascus Road appearance. So we're not going to go back over that one again. The Apostle Paul tells King Agrippa about it in his testimony. And remember, if he shares his testimony, you should share your testimony. Let's see if there are any others and how they might relate to our Christian growth experiences. Are you ready? So put your boots on and get ready to travel with me. Let's go to Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 9. We're going to take a look at the vision of the Macedonian man. The Macedonian man. This is a vision from God to the Apostle Paul. Remember, as Paul gave his testimony, he said, Jesus appeared unto me, and he said he'll appear again unto me. He's going to appear every time I need to do something, anywhere I need to go. All I've got to do is trust God. And I want you to know something, church, this morning. I want you to feel this. I want you to test it out. If you will trust God, if you will be like the Apostle Paul and just obey, then he's going to direct you where you need to go. Amen? He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. And you say, well, I would love to have a Macedonian man vision, Pastor. Well, let me tell you something. Have you opened your eyes lately and seen those people across the street begging for help? Have you opened your eyes and seen those across the way crying for food? Have you seen those crying out for salvation? We've got to start opening our eyes. Here we have the vision of the Macedonian man. Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 10. The Bible says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. We should be expecting that. In chapter 9, we already have the testimony of the Apostle Paul. I've appeared unto thee, and I'll appear again unto thee. So here we have a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Duh, right? Think about it. We came to the understanding that we need to preach the gospel into Macedon. And it took the vision of a Macedonian man to do that. And it's my prayer that God will get right back to speaking to us that way again, where he would say, have no doubts about it, have no misunderstandings about it, you need to preach the gospel in places you're afraid to go. How many of you know, you want to know something startling? That more Muslims are open to the gospel than non-Christians are. That's right. More Muslims are open to arguing, debating, and talking with you about your religion than people who are atheistic. We're afraid to talk to the Muslims. We're afraid to talk to atheists. You know, you meet somebody with... Uh, a large academic behind their name, and the first thing we say is, we're afraid to talk to them about God. I want you to know something. They're just as human as we are. Not only that, but God is just as able to use them as He is us. So look again here. We have a vision in chapter uh, 16, verse 9, of a Macedonian man. He appears to Paul in the night. And let's take a look at the picture here. There he is right there, the Apostle Paul. Macedonian man appears. Now, if you're a Bible scholar, a lot of people interpret that to be Luke himself. And maybe that's not. The reason why is because starting in the next verse, out of a sudden we go from third person to first person. Where Luke starts saying, I was with him. We know Luke wrote the book of Acts. And out of a sudden, Luke includes himself in those passages. We did this. We did that. Not they, but we did. 
I was there with them. I was there with them. So a lot of people interpret the vision of the Macedonian man to be Luke. Is that important? Not really. What's important is that the Apostle Paul obeyed. What's important is the Apostle Paul got the vision. And he trusted God to speak to him. He trusted God to lead him. And he obeyed. And that's where we need to be in our Christian life. Are you ready? Let's move on here. The Macedonian call. How can we apply that to our lives? Number one, please remember, it came to Paul in the night. And so I want to ask you a couple of questions this morning. I want to ask you to be open and honest with me and answer in your heart here. Uh, Paul got the vision in the night. And is it dark where you are right now? Have you been in a spiritual dark place for some time and you've been asking God to give you a vision? Have you been sitting there saying, God, I need to know where to go to next. I need to know what to do next. I need to know what church to be in. I need to know whether I need to surrender to you. I need to know whether I need to get saved. I need to know what needs to happen next. And the Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul got this vision in the middle of the night. And I wonder if he, like the rest of us, was in the middle of the night saying, God, where do I go to next? What do I do now? Who do I speak with next? And he got that vision of a Macedonian man. And I want you to know, and I want you to believe in your heart right now, that your night can come to an end. That God is answering your call. That God is answering your prayer. He's given you a vision that you need to come to Jesus because he's the only one who can help. Is it dark where you are right now? And you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm, the, I'm Paul, and I need to know where to go. But you might be saying, too, in the pew, I'm a Macedonian, and I need someone to come help me. It don't really matter, does it? Both of them had a vision, didn't they? Paul had a vision, and the Macedonian man had a vision. His vision, the Macedonian's prayer, was come and help us. There has to be an answer to sin. You understand Luke was a physician. You understand Luke's job was healing the sick. You understand Luke knew more about the body than we do. He began to reason in himself. Why do we get old? Why do we age? Why do we die? Why is it that this worked for one person but doesn't work for that person? The human body is truly miraculous. You ever stop to think about it? Somebody could fall off a five-foot, five-story building without breaking a bone, or someone could fall five feet and die. It's miraculous. And Luke began to ask those questions. Why? How is it that I can't stop death? Why is it they always die? And he began to search out the cry with God. How do we stop death? Dr. Paul got that vision. Come over here and help us because there's only one who can stop death. There's only one who can bring eternal life. There's only one who can keep us alive forever and ever and ever. And that's Jesus Christ. Are you a Macedonian in a human corner? And your prayer has been, how do I stop from going to hell? Perhaps you're calling this morning. And you're saying, where do I go to next? Either way, you can see how that call relates to you. Let's look at the next one. To have a vision of Jesus in the city of Corinth. Look with me in Acts chapter 18. The Bible says in verse 9 of chapter 18, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night. Don't you love God always talks in the night? Let me tell you why he does that. Let me tell you why. You ready for this? Because we get so easily distracted. We let lights and shine. 
tiny things take our attraction away, don't we? We let people's silly words steal our attention. We let music, we let TV, we let cell phones, we let anything take us away from God. And here we are in the city of Corinth, and the Apostle Paul is heavy Hearted. Listen to what the Bible says here in verse 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. This is what Jesus said. This is not an angel. This is not a vision. This is the Lord to the Apostle Paul. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And I love how the Apostle Paul answered that prayer. Let me see verse 11. And he obeyed what Jesus told him to do. He continued there a year and six months. Eighteen months teaching the Word of God among them. Do we have a picture of Corinth today? Yeah. What happened? What happened? Bad city policy? A bad mayor? Some sort of governor? A president? No. You want to know what happened in Corinth? In more Ball. It was a problem with stuff in that church. The Apostle Paul writes two letters to the Corinthian church to address those things. Let's take a look at that right here. Paul did receive some encouragement of Corinth. And you've got to ask yourself why. Why did Jesus have to step up and say, I'm with you, Paul. You need to preach and teach here. I have a lot of people here. And I need you to understand no one's going to hurt you. Paul was there 18 months, incidentally. Then the Bible tells us if you read the rest of the story in Acts, he was arrested. Corinth was a city of immorality and idolatry. And what can we learn from the vision of Corinth? Well, these are a couple things we can learn from Corinth. One, number one, even the church itself ended up with immorality. You've read the letters to the Corinthian church, and you know that the church ended up split, ended up divided, it ended up being contentious with each other, and it ended up being immoral had some relationships that were definitely inappropriate. And look at the beginning of how things started out. Let's back up just a little bit in Acts chapter 18. Let's just start in verse 4, shall we? The Bible says, And he reasoned, that we call, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy, the Timotheus, were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit. In other words, when they showed up, Paul was emboldened. And he testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, the Bible says he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own head. I am clean. And henceforth I will go into the Gentiles. So how can we relate to that? Let me tell you a little God isn't just interested in saving Jews. God isn't just interested in saving religious people. God isn't interested in just saving holier-than-thou-art people. God is interested in saving drug addicts, alcoholics, perverts. God's interested in changing somebody's life and making it something worthwhile. How can we relate to that? Well, let me tell you, you might be living immoral this morning, but I want you to know that God can change you. He can take that which is immoral and make it moral. He can take that which is unclean and make it clean. He can take that which is unholy and make it holy. We might be living immoral this morning. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If he could take something immoral like the city of Corinth and make it moral, make it holy. You know how Paul addresses his letter to the 
Philadelphia church, he says, saints. That's how he starts that letter out, saints. You know what Greek word that is? Agios. You know what it means? The Holy One. That's right. You might be living immoral, but I want you to know God can change you. You might be preaching to people like the Corinthians. You might be saying, they won't change. And I'm ready to shake my clothes off and say, I'm done talking to you hard-headed guys. You might be saying to yourself, they're just a bunch of Baptists. But you need to keep on keeping on. You need to keep on keeping on. Paul did. What was, what was it that, that the vision said? What was it that Jesus said to him? Paul, keep on preaching. Paul, keep on teaching. I have a lot of people in this city. They need to be saved before it starts looking like that. Because we're off at this point. But they need to be saved before the city is driven. And you might be saying, well, I'm one of those guys that's living in more than the city. He can save the Corinthians, he can save the Let's take a look at another vision. Take a look at the Apostle Paul on the ship. That's right. There's an artist's representation of what that boat might have looked like. Paul ship and was on its way to Rome. Of course, you know he suffered shipwreck. He ends up spending some time on an island. Let's jump over to Acts chapter 27. Let's look at a third vision, if you will. A third appearance. Look at me in chapter 27, verse 9. Now when much time was spent, and when Satan was now dangerous, because the fast now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sir, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious for winter in, the more part advised to the Protestants also, if by any means they might attain to Tennis, and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And you need to pay attention to verse 13. And when the south wind blew, that's a deception, okay? It's a deceiver. The south wind blew softly. Supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing them, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladin. You might say Eurocladin. That's okay. Eurocladin. Let me give you a definition of what Eurocladin is. It's a northeast wind. That's why when the south wind blew, they were like, let's go to the store right now. Rockland's a northeast wind, and it's called a tempestuous wind. And literally rendered, it means cyclonic wind for something. When the south wind blew, they were like, we better get moving if we're going to go. Let's go right now. The wind Here's a picture of what it might look like. Rockland is a cyclonic, tempestuous northeast wind. It blows in the Mediterranean, mostly in autumn. Let's jump ahead to verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars and many days appear, they're in the middle of the storm now, and no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Look at verse 20. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sir, you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this arm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me, listen to now what he says here, for there stood by me this very night, this night, the angel of God, who I am and who I serve. 
God, Paul. Thou must be brought before Kaiser, before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Unless you stay with the king, you cannot be saved. That's what we're going to bring up to you right now. I want you to think about what Paul's happening in the beginning. Panic. Paul stands up and he preaches. He gives them the vision he receives. An angel stood right next to me. And he said, we are going to be okay. All we have to do is bear the loss of the ship. We can't leave the ship until it's time. Look with me in Acts chapter 27. Let's look at verse 30 here. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the fortress. In other words, they were trying to move deceptively, trying to make people think they were letting down anchors, but instead they were letting down the lifeboat. They were getting ready to get into them. And the Apostle Paul says in verse 31, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except you abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. What does that mean to us? What is this vision all about? We've seen several visions of the Apostle Paul. We started out looking at the Damascus Road, and he got to see Jesus. Later on, we saw him get a vision of a Macedonian man in appearance, if you will. And in that Macedonian vision, he learned that God is interested in us sharing the gospel with everybody. We also saw Jesus give encouragement to the Apostle Paul in the city of Corinth. He said, don't you be afraid. I know things are falling apart. I know this is unstable, shaky ground. But I want you to know that our God is a solid rock. And on Him, you can cast your anchor. On Him, you can put your faith. On Him, you can build forever and ever. And the storms will blow and the house will not fall. Now we're looking at the story of Jesus. Paul Paul received an angel that night on the boat. Always when it's dark, when it's dark. And you might say it's dark right now. I want you to know God is I want you to know God is speaking to you. What does that mean for us? Number one, we talked to Paul and Gail. All these people now were deceived by the wind. Remember, the wind started blowing southerly, and they said, My goodness, now it's time to go. They got in the boat, and of course, the Eurocism started coming out. You might need a question in your life. You might be saying, Pastor, I've been out many times. Starts in my life. I've been going to where people say to go. I've been going to church after church after church after church. I've been looking for a preacher after preacher after preacher. I've been looking for a Bible teacher. I've been looking for a sign. I've been looking for a vision. I've been looking for a fresh wind from God. And all I do is keep getting on boats and I keep getting my boat blown back toward the north. It's Eurocladin. And I keep going back to where I came from. Well, you need a fresh wind this morning. What you need is a revival in your heart and in your life. What you need to understand is that if we get off of the boat, then we make our faith shipwreck. Look with me in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 19. Holding faith and good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Think about what that means there. You might be saying to yourself this morning, I need a vision. I need an angel. I need God to tell me everything's going to be okay. I want you to know God is saying that to you this morning. I want you to know God is saying there is a way, and that way is Jesus Christ. I want you to know God is saying there is a place, and that place is in His house. I want you to know God is saying there is a family, and that's a family of God. I want you to know God is saying, don't get off of the boat, even though things are bad. You have to stay with the ship. 
Though it might be broken, it might be wrecked, it might be battered by the wind, though it's breaking up in the tide, though it seems like the world is winning and destroying everything Christianity puts out, I want you to know that the angel said, stay with the boat. I want you to know that your pastor said, stay with the faith, because the boat represents your faith in Jesus Christ, and it's going to take you where you need to go. Don't you let go of that faith, not for one minute, not for one second, not for any day, for anything or anybody. You stay with that boat, because unless you have the faith, in Jesus Christ, you will not be saved. Though the winds might batter it, it's going to take you where you need to be. Though the waves might break it up, it's going to take you where you need to be. Though it's battered by the tide, though the world tries its best to explain it away, the faith of Jesus Christ will take you where you need to go. Stay with the I thought I was going to go where I was going to go, and I got on a boat, and you know what? The wind turned around and took me somewhere else. It happened to all of us. There isn't a one of us in here who hasn't bought a hog somewhere. Not a one of us haven't had that happen to them. You know something? Stay with the faith of Jesus Christ. You know what's funny? First thing that happens is when life goes wrong, when things go wrong, we blame God, don't we? God, it's your fault! God said, I didn't take that boat there, you did. You ever heard that old story about that man? Oh, he was a faithful Christian, never missed a service. He lived in Louisiana, and of course, the dam was broke, the levees broke, everything came out, pouring into his neighborhood. They began putting out warnings over the loudspeakers leave your house, leave your property, go now. God is going to save me. He got on his knees and prayed, Lord, save me. At that time, the local city, of course, showed up in a big bus full of people and said, Please get on the boat. Please get on our, our bus and go. And they said, Nope, God's going to save me. Whatever. Go up. The waters rose and rose and rose into the living room. So he went upstairs to the second floor. The Cajun Navy came by on the boat. Came up to the window and said, Get in the boat. He said, Absolutely not. God's going to save you. And they said, Whatever. Roll off. The waters began to rise again and leaned up on the roof of this house. On top of this television antenna, the helicopter came by to let down a rope ladder and said, Please climb up. And he said, No, God's going to save you. The helicopter said, Whatever. Roll off. There's no way to happen. That antenna bent over and he fell into the water and he drowned. He wasn't Christian. He went straight to heaven. And when he got to heaven, the first thing he said was, God, why did you save me? God said, well, I sent you a bus, a boat, a helicopter. What do you want? you got to stay with the ship. Though it might be broken or it might be wrecked, it might be battered by the wind, you got to stay with the ship. So I understand you're wanting a fresh wind. I understand that sometimes we can be promised a south wind and it ends up being your rock. You need to come to God's will. How do you do that? How do you get back to it? Well, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us to stay with the ship. You know what Paul does? After the ship is broken up, they swim to the island. You know what he does? He builds a fire. That's right. He builds a fire. I don't know about you. You ever read Acts chapter 28? Amen. So you know I'm a humorous guy. I, I'm one of the guys that ask questions too. If I were swimming in the ocean after a shipwreck and I landed on a barbarous 
island, and the natives started building a fire out there, a little nervous. I've seen it in movies. <laughs> Y'all get hunted? <laughs> Scare me after. No, Paul starts building a fire with them. He's bitten by a snake. Again, he does what Christians are supposed to do. He preaches the gospel. He heals the sick. He loves the unlovable. Fresh wind. How do I get a fresh wind in my life, Pastor? I'm going to be honest with you. You've got to start loving the unlovable first. That's right. You've got to love the barbarous people of an island you don't care about. That's right. That means you also got to go through snake bites sometimes, too. Take bite the same time, though, but they're just snake bites. That's all. That means you also have to build a fire. That's because it's dark in this world. And you have a life in the world, isn't it? You've got to do that. Let's go back to Acts chapter 22. Let's take a look at what Paul said in this testimony. Look at me again in verse 16. But rise, stand upon thy feet, Paul, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of the things in the which I will appear unto thee again. Think about that for a second. I'm appearing to thee now to make you a minister. What else will I do with you? I'm going to make you a missionary to the Macedonians. I'm going to make you a rock of love and understanding and forgiveness to the Corinthians. I'm going to make you a ship of salvation on the boat that's going to Rome. I'm going to make you a person of complete love to the barbarous people on the island of Mars. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm doing now. I want you to know, like the Apostle Paul said, it's not over. You have more visions coming. You have more understanding coming. You have more in your Christian walk coming. All you've got to do is stay with the boat. Don't give up. Let's close in a word of prayer. Something for you this morning. Would you be willing to come down the aisle? Would you be willing to get your heart right with Jesus? Perhaps you want to say, Pastor, I need to get saved. Would you be willing to come and give your heart to Jesus this morning? Or perhaps you want to say, I need to be a member of Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Would you let saved do that thing? Or perhaps God is calling you somewhere else and you have your vision of a Macedonian man. You have your vision in Corinth. Whatever it is, would you be willing to come and get it right this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for your word. Have you take charge even now. If there be anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anybody, Father, needs to get their heart right, their faith right with you, we're going to save you that day. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Would you come as we sing? Without him, would you come and sing?